Today's topics, Beehive, Pedometer, and Still Loving You. Episode 1, Pierre-Alexis Dumas, Artistic Director. To begin this series of podcasts and before digging deeper into the story of 24 Faubourg, let's go and meet the one person who probably knows it best since he spent so many days there as a child and teenager. He is the real dream maker here today. Bonjour Pierre-Alexis Dumas. It's a beautiful building. It's a building which doesn't really make sense when it's made. Built in 1924, finished in 1926. It doesn't look like avant-garde architecture in the 20s. It's a stripped neoclassical facade. Could be 19th century. Yet, um, it's audacious in its dimension. It's kind of small and monumental. It looks like a small department store. It has a lot of elegance. It's really like a, a beacon of light in the city. And the success was, came right away for Emile Hermès when he built it. The first century, the 19th century, we are harness makers and saddle makers. And the 20th century, we enter in the 20th century after World War I, really, when my great-grandfather, Émile Hermès, built the Faubourg and decided to diversify from equestrian products to accessories for his clients. That's a big shift and a big innovation for this house. The Faubourg was, for many years, uh, the headquarters of Hermès, the origin of everything, When I was a child and a teenager, the workshops were above the store. Um, the logistics department was in the basement. The whole building was like a beehive, it still is, by the way. But all of Hermès was there. All of Hermès was concentrated in that very little building in the heart of Paris. So when you walk in a Faubourg today, you get this wonderful feeling of a presence. Uh, of course, um, I am not uh, rational when I say this, because I remember all the wonderful people who uh, worked and lived, uh, worked, <laughs> worked there, sorry. I almost said lived there because my family actually lived in, in that building in the previous building before Le Faubourg was built above it. But when you enter that store, there's a sense of a presence. It's lively. It has that energy which is you cannot create artificially. And then if you are lucky to go behind the scene, you feel a place which is very exciting. It's a building that had many transformations. But many places have not changed and are very moving. Le 
this is my office. This is the place uh, where I spend most of my time here at Hermès. I spend a lot of time going from one creative studio to another creative studio because we have uh, different creative teams depending on the collections we're talking about. Menswear, women's wear, leather bags, perfume, shoe collection, etc. In each creative studio, you have a different energy, a different stimulation, different inspirations with books and boards and objects. So I would say here in my office, it is maybe the concentration of everything. So I, I need to come back here to immerse myself again into what I call the Hermes dream, the Hermes energy. And then I have to go back and forth from one studio to the next. So this is my island. This is, this is where I, can, I get my inspiration back. I have a tendency to accumulate objects uh, and images. So my office is, uh, the walls of my office uh, are covered with uh, prints, paintings, uh, photography. Everywhere in my office, I, I put a lot of objects. Um, some objects I found, some objects that my father gave me, some objects I bought, some objects which are prototypes. Each object here, each object is like a book, um, has a history of its own, reminds me of a specific moment and significant moment uh, in the life of Hermès and in, uh, in my career at Hermès. They're like companions. They they remind me of the past without being nostalgic um, and they help me, they motivate me to dream of the future. I have a little, um, in French we say maillot jaune, which means the um, drink, it's a small figure in lead and it shows um, uh, an athlete on a bicycle and he's wearing the, the yellow sweater of the leader of the race. And it's a small reminder of the position we have to keep at Hermès. I also have some funny animals. One is actually a slug. It's a slug in bronze that I found in a thrift shop. And I like the, the slug. It looks beautiful, actually, very stylized. But the slug is, uh, is very persistent, it's slow, but it always reaches its uh, goal. And objects uh, and images, for me, are wonderful uh, stimulation of my ability to, um, again, look at the world with a fresh eye. And uh, I would say that in many ways, my, my office is a, is a big, um, in French we say, cabinet de curiosité, which means a small, it's my own little museum, which keeps my mind open and stimulated. In the, in the funny objects I have in my office, I have a wonderful um, little it looks like a clock, but it's not a clock that belonged to my father. 
I tell you, my father was really a man of the future because here he has what I call a, a connected object uh, before connectivity existed. And this is in French is called a podomètre. It's called a pedometer, I think, in English. You hang it on your belt and you adjust the length of your step. So say if you walk, if each step is uh, half a meter or two thirds of a meter. And then every time you move, every time you take a step, there is inside the mechanism a balance wheel, which makes, I suppose, the whole uh, um, meter move forward and by the end of the day you know exactly what distance you've walked so now you can do that of course with your Apple Hermes watch but then it was uh, it was funny and why did my father have that because he, people used to say that he was running all around every day he was such a, a busy and passionate entrepreneur running up and down that building And he had, he bought that object, he had it covered with leather, which is quite chic. And I remember he was very proud because he would come back home and say, today I walked seven kilometers, you know, just between the first and the third floor. That's quite an achievement. And I still remember the, the sound that object made. Very helpful. Le monde d'Hermès. One memory of Le Faubourg Saint Honoré for me, as I was, <laughs> my father was working there as a child, and my grandfather, and I used to go uh, after school, not every day but at least once or twice a week, I would uh, walk to the Faubourg, wait for my father to finish his work, for him to take us home with my sister. And he would uh, always finish quite late, so first we would sit down, do our homework, and then we would start and play. It was fascinating for a child to see that, that building full of... of objects, some fascinating and beautiful behind the, the windows, uh, the, the, sh the glass showcases. Um, it's a little bit scary at the time because everybody was gone and I remember my father working late. As a teenager, I spent five years going in the Hermes workshops after school every Wednesday. So I would go and spend four or five hours And I worked with two wonderful craftsmen who both passed away. And I learned to use my hands. I learned the craft of working with leather. And I spent many hours in the workshops. And my memory of that is, first of all, a, a great atmosphere. The radio was always on. I remember listening to I'm Still Loving You by Scorpions. It was a warm and lively atmosphere, mostly men, which has changed today in our, in our workshops. There's about 60% women and 40% men. It's, a, it's funny to see how that profession has evolved in many ways. And for me, as a teenager, it gave me a lot of self-confidence. I had no idea that 
I would spend so much time in my life at Hermès. This was part of my family where I grew up. So it was the environment in which I grew up. Le monde d'Hermès. My first responsibility at Hermès is really to accompany all the creative studios to produce collections for Hermès season after season. However, in order to do that, uh, I need to keep my mind open and I need to somehow foresee what is about to come. I need to dream. So dreaming is an essential part of my work, but my first responsibility is to work with all the creative teams. And I have to create the conditions so that there is enough space for the dream to emerge and to be able to capture the unseen. So we are always dreaming. In 2019, uh, we're going to celebrate at Hermès uh, the dream of Hermès. But it doesn't mean that we are just going to dream in 2019. I think we've always been dreaming uh, since 1837. I love the idea that I have an ancestor called Thierry Hermès, who was born um, in Krefeld, which is now in Germany. And he dreamt of going to Paris and open his workshop. And he actually walked all the way from Germany to Paris in 1820 and eventually opened his workshop. So the birth of Hermès is born out of a dream. Yes, dreaming is the fuel of desire. It is important even for us at Hermès to look at the culture of Hermès, at its history every year from a different angle uh, with the theme we can reinvent ourselves, of course, but also um, understand Hermès better and deeper. And with that understanding, then we can again project Hermès in the future. The theme is also um, a wonderful, a wonder, for me, an exciting way to give a certain unity to all the collections and to the communications of Hermès. In 2019, let's talk about dreaming. Dreaming is the fuel of desire. That should be everyone's motto, right? Well, now it's definitely mine. I can't wait to find out more about this mythical address. And to begin the begin, as Corporto used to say, let's meet in front of the 24 Faubourg, where the dream actually begins. A tout de suite. <laughs>